The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays. Use promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. We're also brought to you by our Kentucky Derby Contest. Winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card exclusively on the SGPN app. Yes, sir. We are back with another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guy. It's me, really real, villain real. It's Ralph Furman Jr. here at your service. And, well, they did it. 1-1 going back to L.A., the most anticipated second-round series. Didn't disappoint last night for some folks. Scott Studio, Rochelle, Scott, what's going on? Yeah, it didn't disappoint for me. Uh, I made a decent amount of money on the game yesterday, which was definitely nice. I expected Golden State to bury him. Uh, once again, I'm not saying the series is over, but uh, it was really just a smash spot, in my opinion, for Golden State. You knew they couldn't go down 2-0. Uh, you knew historically teams that lost the first game at home had dominated. I think now the team that lost game one at home has won 16 straight. That's straight up. That's not against the spread. But I think they've covered like 15 of those 16. So the point is, if a team loses game one at home, they tend to dominate game two. The Lakers did the same thing against Memphis, where they stole a road game, proceeded to no-show the second game, and they're just going to settle for for a a split. But as for me, I had a very good day yesterday. Uh, I saw that FanDuel was giving away a couple of free bets for some reason i don't really know why mm-hmm. and yeah i turned 10 bucks into a thousand dollars uh with a same game parlay which is nice mm-hmm. i had a blowout special parlay with a bunch of unders mixed in with hachimura uh 10 plus points and golden state minus nine and a half but to read off the actual uh plays that i had i was pretty fortunate but then again i also was expecting a blowout so it was factored mm-hmm. in but to read off all the plays that I had in that parlay, I had LeBron under 25 and a half points, Davis under 25 and a half points, LeBron under six and a half assists. I had Golden State minus nine and a half, Vanderbilt under six and a half points. Shout out to him for missing that free throw. And I, I had Looney under seven and a half points and Hachimura 10 plus points. $10 free bet to win 1059 bucks. So all right. it was a nice day for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a huge cash. Definitely getting a ten dollar free bet on that. So shout out to you. Uh, pretty pretty solid day for me as well. I came in. I I, I was just on the side really in Golden State and just had a, an ext- enormous amount of money on Golden State first half. That uh, very early on, I was a little bit concerned for, but you know how they do in the second quarter, and they they ran away with it, and that's where the game got out of hand and. Uh, it, it, I mean, it is, it went to according to script. Like it was according to script. You lost the first game at home. You come back, dominate in a crazy fashion. AD has a good game. He has a bad game. He has a good game. He has a bad game. The only thing that's consistent about him is the fact that he's inconsistent. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was all, the writing was on the wall and now we're moving on to game three in a couple of days. Anything else, any other takes from this game or, uh, this series as a whole? Well, Clay was great. So that was one takeaway. But, I mean, really, 
it just seemed like the effort level was not there for the Lakers. They got off to a very good first quarter. LeBron was on pace to basically drop 40, and I thought my parlay was dead. And then, yeah, the Lakers just seemed to completely fall apart once Golden State went on that run in the second quarter. I can't say that I was totally shocked because, once again, I thought the Lakers would roll over. And when LeBron says after game one, the most important thing is rest, that kind of tells me your team might be in danger of punting game two because your team's exhausted. <laughs> takeaway, and that's what happened. So I think the main takeaways that I had were just the fact that the Lakers didn't really show much effort, especially on the defensive end. It was really just an ugly game for them, which don't get me wrong. The fact that Anthony Davis is the anchor of that defense and he was kind of a no-show from start to finish isn't going to help situations. But Vanderbilt wasn't full-court pressing Curry, trying to deny him the ball. It just seemed like the Lakers were very laid back defensively instead of actually trying to get Golden State to look uncomfortable. That Mm -hmm. was kind of my takeaway. It seemed like the Lakers were... I don't want to say zoning out defensively, but they really just gave the Warriors whatever they wanted and didn't offer any resistance at all. That was my main takeaway. It just seemed like the Lakers were a team that was content with winning a road game, decided, you know what, I'm good with a split. I think early on they tried to go up 2-0, and then the Warriors won on that run in the second quarter, and the Lakers said, you know what, I think we see where this is going. We'll save our energy for game three. The other takeaway is Anthony Davis and how he just, once again, cannot have good games back-to-back. It's just impossible for him. He's going to have one really good game, one bad game. Shout-out to Steve Kerr for inserting Green, uh, not Draymond, but, of course, uh, Jermichael Green into the starting lineup. He played very well. Golden State went smaller, like I thought they would. They ran the Lakers out of the building, and AD didn't do enough to capitalize off of it, but... Doesn't mean two takeaways. It was AD being bad and seemed like the Lakers, once things went ugly in the second quarter, just decided, you know what? We're okay with being at one apiece to go back to LA. That was my main mm-hmm. two takeaways. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that that was kind of the thought process of how this game was going to go. It's just that the Lakers came out in the first quarter and brutal for anybody that's a Golden State first quarter. That was also that's the only. <laughs> That was the only quarter that they won. (laughs) And so, yeah, now it's the situation where it looks like, uh, you know, Golden State just kind of woke up, went into that mode, and the Lakers kicked it in. And, you know, that game two that they had in Memphis, it seems like the same thing. So we'll see if they'll be able to bounce back for game three uh, total. That's a bad beat of bad beats, depending on where you got that. Yeah, so it was at. 227 and a half all day. I even talked about it on Hardwood Culture. And I said, man, I see all this under money coming in, but it's still sitting there at 227. <laughs> like, and then it finally drops to 226 and a half. And I said, Oh, all right, there we go. Maybe I can, you know, get to the under. The under finally dropped. Man. 227. That's brutal. In case anybody didn't realize, I think Curry played maybe two minutes in the fourth quarter. I don't know why. They were up 30. LeBron and AD didn't see the court for, or LeBron didn't see the court for the fourth. I don't believe AD, AD did either. I'm trying to think if he played a minute or two. The point is, you basically had a G League scrimmage for the last eight minutes of the game, and nobody could score. You had 37 points in the entire fourth quarter because no starters were on the court. 
I don't think anybody won that bet, man. Like, I think everybody, when it was at 220, I mean, of course, there was under money that was in, but I feel like everybody I saw when it was at 227 was like, oh, bet, we're going over because of the game one. We love the overs going over 227 and a half. All I know is on my uh, Bay Area podcast, I did give out the under at 227 and a half. So I actually did give that out on my other podcast. So I actually won that, but. It's a, but yeah. it's a lot of people I saw. I've seen tickets. Like, I've just been looking at tickets. And I've seen under 226 and a half tickets. And I've seen over 227 and a half tickets. And that's brutal. That is really, really brutal, man. All right. Before we get into the two games that are actually well, playing Well, one tonight, more point just quickly. We mentioned it before. I'll, I'll say it again, though. It's like the Memphis series. Just because one team got blown out does not mean the series is over. There's a lot of Warriors in five conversations happening because everyone's overreacting to one game. Like, everyone just relax. Like, it's yeah. it's a long series. Let's calm down. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. relax. I'm just saying. Like, it, be it, right. it was a smash spot for Golden State. The series isn't over. If you think Golden State's going to win the series, that's one thing. But now everyone's just, like, selling on the Lakers because they lost one game. Like, just everybody relax. Just calm down. Like, there's a long series, long way to go. No reason to hit the panic button yet. That's what the Suns are trying to tell their fans, but I have no idea how. (laughs) I don't even know how I'm optimistic about them. But before we talk about that series, let's talk about Shady May because we're teaming up with Shady Rays. And not only do you get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses, but you have a chance to win $500. All you have to do is take that receipt that you get when you buy your Shady Rays. Take it to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady and enter it for a chance to get $500. So guess what? You can potentially get your shades for free and then... Get some extra money and reimburse yourself. Go have something nice. Matter of fact, you could even take that money, get you the snow goggles, and then go skiing and have a good time. Like, you can do all of that. ShadyRays.com. Use promo code SGPN for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Make sure you go use the code SGPN and then take that receipt to Shady to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. Shady May contest, $500. All right. Two games tonight on the NBA playoff slate. First game on the docket, we have the Boston Celtics opened up as a two-point road favorite. They are now favored by two and a half. 214 is the total. It is 1-1 back in Philadelphia. Injury report here. Only thing you need to know is Joel B is questionable. Expect him to play. Other than that, all right. We saw the amazing start by Philadelphia. But then, as and pretty much similar to the Golden State Lakers series, we saw the response by Boston, which was not, you know, surprising at all. Now is where it gets interesting because now you're not just betting on, Oh, I think that they'll be able to make it a close game or, Oh, I think that they'll run away with it. Now you got to pick the game. It's two and a half. You're basically picking the game here. Who wins game three, Scott? So I took it last night. It was at one and a half and now it's a two and a half. I like Boston. 
in this game. Boston has an issue with overlooking their opponents, but that's usually when they have a lead or when they feel like they're superior than another team. It's only 1-1. They did lose home court advantage. They do need to win a road game. The point that I'm trying to make is that Boston, when they're fully engaged, is clearly the better team. I don't think it's I don't think it's close, especially with Embiid playing at roughly 70% health. I think Boston's going to be motivated. I think they'll be focused, and I think they're going to bury this team. I don't think Philly's that good. I, I've said it several times. I understand that they swept the Nets. I think we can agree in hindsight the Nets or the Cavs were the worst offensive team in the playoffs. Probably the Nets, but you can make an argument. The point is, Philly had a great game one with Harden dropping 45. The problem is, can you really take a wave? Like, can you apply much of game one to the rest of the series now that Embiid's back in the lineup? Not really, because it changes everything that Philly does. So I don't really know if I can use game one as a way to support Philly here. From what I saw, Embiid came back potentially prematurely, and Boston destroyed him. It was really just simple as that. Embiid only made four shots from the floor. He got to the foul line a couple of times with some flopping. But Harden was brutal. I think he went two for, what did he go, two for 14 from the floor in game two? Yeah. I think he'll play better than that. But the problem is Harden now is to take a back seat again because they're going to try to run the offense through Embiid. Embiid can't really move, so they're going to be playing in the half court. They can't run, and I think Philly should be playing faster, but they can't because Embiid's not going to be able to move that much, not to mention the fact that Boston attempts a bunch of three-pointers compared to Philly, and Embiid's having a hard time of getting out and contesting on the three-point line. I'm on Boston here. Embiid in his career... One and nine straight up against the Celtics in the playoffs. One and nine. Boston has owned him in his playoff career. I just think it's a bad matchup. Those were a lot worse teams. Those were a lot worse Philly teams. They were, but at the same point, I think Boston's teams were worse too. And Philly, like that's isn't that Brett Brown? Was that was was that who the coach was? Some of that was, yeah. Yeah. Boston's rotated a couple of coaches. You had Stevens in there. I don't think Udoka was coach for any of those, but. The point is, no, yeah, that was that was Brett Brown versus Brad Stevens. I think it was. But the the point is, his stats against Boston, his career, statistically speaking, have not been great. Grant Williams was the main adjustment that Boston used in Game Two. I thought he did a very good job defensively. He didn't get killed as a small ball five. Boston sent some help. I'm still not the biggest fan of Philly supporting cast. I think it's fine. Like Milton has some good games. Milton's okay. I like Paul Reed, but you're looking at Boston's bench. They got a lot of guys. They can really experiment with going small they can experiment with going bigger with rob williams they can give you different looks philly i don't think has that luxury but i do think at the end of the day i'm gonna go with boston they're the much better team when they actually care and i think they should care in this game i'm going boston i don't see Embiid being able to carry this team with a 30 35 point game because once again i'm not sure he can move so i'm gonna lean to boston I think they win this game by at least five. Yeah, I am more optimistic about him being able. He's like at this point, I truly don't care if Joel Embiid has any type of ailment or wrong with him because he always has something wrong with Mm -hmm. him. There's always an issue there. There's always going to be concern of whether he can move. And what has he done with that over the past two years? He's just been the scoring champ twice in a row, and now he's the MVP of the entire league. And so. I mean, well, what, yeah, what were your yesterday was a bad spot. 
like get say, last what are your game takeaways in game two for, for i don't have a one. takeaway i don't care about game two because game two went how we expected like that's how i expected oh, no, i met with mb austin was the actual game i meant Embiid's i mean he health. looked like, the only thing you look? i didn't care i didn't think he looked unhealthy to me the only thing is he looked like he was tired and he was unconditioned and he mm-hmm. needed to get his legs under him that was the concern for me when i was looking at him with the little t-rex arms running up and down the court like uh he looked a little bit unconditioned but that's really it i'm i feel pretty better about one him getting a game under his belt two coming back to philly and from what he's put up on four games against boston in series this season he's averaged 36.8 points like i you know i feel good about his production and i think he's gonna have a pretty good day here today especially picking up his hardware that so rightfully deserved that's been eluding him for all this time and so now when I talk when I think of this game, I think of the Philly moment. I think of always sunny in Philadelphia. I think of, of all those other guys that stepped up in game one, being able to step up in this game, whether it's Melton or Niang coming off the bench and being able to hit their threes. They were a combined one for four last game. Well, well, let's be real. You're you're mostly talking about Harden, right? I mean, if we're talking well, about game I mean, one, step up guys. No, I'm actually focusing on the bench right now. I, I mean, of course, we're talking, of course, we're talking about James. I mean, of yeah. course, we're going to talk about James Harden, but I'm focusing clear, clearly on the bench right now because that's the production that they're going to need. Like when you have a Malcolm Brogdon coming off of the other side and a guy that can go for 15 and 20 off the bench in his sleep, you need that extra production. And what was that additional factor in game one that nobody wanted to talk about? But it was DeAnthony Melton and what he was able to bring for them off the bench. Six for 10 in game one, five for six from three, 17 points coming off the bench effectively neutralizing the 20 points that Malcolm Brogdon gave them off the bench as well. So they need the cast of Niang and Melton. I'm really looking at those two, to be honest, to be able to hit their outside shots, to be able to combat whatever Malcolm Brogdon gets them. Because if a beat is on, he's going to put up, he's going to put up a stat sheet. And I think he, James Harden, of course, we need him to wake up and he's got to come back into the series. And maybe he's something on this Anthony Davis wave of where he just feels like he can't put two games together, two good games together in a row. You still got Tyrese Maxey. You still got Tobias Harris, where in limited role, he can actually somewhat play well. So um, I I feel uh, I don't agree with you at all. I don't think Boston is clear in a way better. I think talent-wise and just the names on the roster would lead you to think that. But they've shown us time and time again that they just can't get teams out of here relatively easily. Like, Mm -hmm. at some point, you just got to believe a spade is a spade. And they're showing you who they are every time they get on the court by not playing, one, probably not being coached to the best that they can, and two, by just not having the effort at all times and just thinking that, hey, we're the better team. We went to the finals last year. We can just easily walk there again. I don't think so. I like Philly. I like Philly at home. They've been a good home team all season. Tony Atten in the chat, 31 and 12 straight up at home all season. I think this is a good spot for Philly. Zigzag theory, game three, they get a win. I do think Boston's the more talented team. I think you're right, though, that the focus is the main concern, which is what I brought up when I initially talked about my my thoughts on the game. Missoula having that weird stare down with the press I thought was fascinating because – yeah, nobody want to ask us about our adjustment. Like nobody cares. Like you, did, one you one probably one. didn't make. You really didn't. Probably didn't make any adjustments. You just let them go out there and play. Like you're not. That's doing such anything. a Popovich answer for a guy that's not even finishing his full first season as a coach. Like that was a very weird little mic drop there. But 
I just think Boston is the more talented team. Now, you were right about them not having the right focus and them overlooking opponents or even just not finishing games, which has been an issue all season long. I'm hoping that they'll be able to show up in a game that they're tied 1-1 in a series in. They still won a couple road games in Atlanta. Atlanta wasn't as good at home as they were in previous years, but still, they look sharp at home. It's mostly just the fact that I think Philly offensively, maybe it's because of the fact that Embiid, in his playoff career, has not exactly had the best playoff numbers because of officiating and the lack of actual calls. Or maybe it's the fact that Philly had to reinvent itself again, playing a lot slower and more methodically with Embiid in the lineup. But going to the series, I thought Boston would kind of smack him. And I feel like maybe I'm biased because that was my initial thought in this series. But I'm going to lean to Boston. I think Tatum's going to have a much better game. He only had seven points. So I think that kind of can cancel out from Harden's bad performance in game two. But I'm going to go with Boston. Don't get me wrong. If Embiid goes for 30, tip of the cap. But I don't, I'm not sure he's going to be able to. It's the fact that Embiid's not at 100%, which I think is the main reason why I'm leaning to Boston. Because Harden... In his playoff career, everyone knows you can't exactly trust him. I know he was great in game one. I just trust Boston's roster a bit more than Philly's, and I think that's why I'm going to lean to it. It's the fact that I don't think Philly can guard Tatum and Brown, and I think Boston actually does have the roster to make life difficult for either Embiid or Harden. I think that's the difference for me. I just think Boston has more weapons compared to Philly, in my opinion. Yeah, see, no, we can agree to disagree on that, yeah. but yeah. ignoring the focus right. of the teams and how they can no show because they are looking down on their opponents. I think on paper, Boston's the better team, in my opinion. I think it's really just because they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, but I, I don't. I, the bench, I, I, I can't at, at this point. You, how many times are you the better team and you, you, you squander away like little yeah. itty bitty. Oh, it's a problem. I, I, like, so I'm, maybe, yeah, it's, it's a problem, but yeah, I'm hoping I, I in just, 1-1 Boston shows up for this game. They didn't show up when it was 0-0. Why are they going to show up when it's 1-1? Well, they didn't show up for 0-0 because then B like, was out and they were 10-point favorites. Like, that's man, a little bit different. Man, I don't, I don't, I don't You think care, Tatum's man. motivated at all that they're going to be having the MVP be. ceremony? He should be. He should be in an MVP conversation. He squanders it away. We sit here and we talk about Jason Tatum making a push for MVP all the time, and he squanders it away because he has situations where he just doesn't show up, and nobody talks about it. And it's really frustrating because I want him to be better. I want him to be a top-five player in the league, but he folds. (laughs) He just folds at times, and it's really, really annoying. Well, Nick, Nick, I'm going to push back a little bit. Best player, you give it to Philly. I get it. MB's winning MVP. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Best duo. Is Embiid and Harden better than Jalen Brown and Tatum? Like, I, I I don't know. Like, I feel like that's closer than you might think. Oh, uh, you said it was Boston. I can agree with that, but I'm saying that's a discussion. Philly has the best trio? Like, if Boston, I mean, I guess Maxi compared, I don't know. I, I think there's a discussion there, but you can make an argument it's close at the top. I just think Boston's seventh, eighth, and ninth men are better than Philly's by a decent margin. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. All right. Um, like, is Brogdon better than Maxi? Like, I, I think Maxi's probably better, but I think he can have a conversation. I think it's close. Uh, I am trying to. I've been trying to pull up this system 
I think. I'm trying to figure out which way the system is going. But I threw in uh, for Scott Foster and when you have percent of the money, because we're getting about 80% of the money coming in on Boston tonight. So I just wanted to know what he was like when there's a heavy, like heavy, heavy money coming in on one side. And in the playoffs, he is three, one and one. It looks like. Well, I know Harden historically is pretty bad with Scott Foster. Some of that overlaps with Chris Paul. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to try to, I'm trying to look and see and, it's really the regular season where you get a negative trend on that, but it looks like Scott Foster's bet the public side for the most part. Either, either way, I, I took Boston last night at one and a half because I thought it was going to probably close at like three. I just expected a bunch of money coming in on Boston, so I got an early. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to lean Boston for me, but it's mostly because Embiid's not 100%. If he comes out and drops 40 to shut me up, then good for him, but... I think Boston can give him some difficult looks. And have you seen anything from Philly defensively that's encouraging? Besides, I know Embiid had five blocks, but Boston had a free three-point shooting practice the entire game one and game two. I feel like Philly's defense has really not been great in this series, and that's kind of a concern. Yeah, that is actually kind of concerning. I I, I definitely thought of that, but... Uh... We'll see what the adjustments they make at home are and if they yeah. can, uh, especially after getting blown out, you know, they'll. I expect to see more adjustments on Philly side of the ball than Boston side of the ball, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. So, so that's where I'm also kind of lean. I think that, you know, and that's where Zigzag's theory comes in is that one, the losing side always makes more adjustments and it's more for the winning side to have to react to. And so we'll see, Doc. It's going to be on you. It's tough to make many adjustments when you win by 30-plus points. Yeah. (laughs) What do you you say, you guys? (laughs) Yeah, that that was a good game. But, like, yeah. So, all right. Total's at 214.5. I'm going to lean to the under. I know Boston was great offensively. I do agree with you that I think Philly makes some defensive adjustments. It's Mm. mostly the lack of pace. It's the fact that Philly's playing so slow both games I don't think slow. I can actually take it over here. Even without Joe and B, both games were really like that. F- game one was the slowest game one in the second round by far. Well, it ended up with a bunch of points because nobody could miss a shot the entire. Yeah, game. yeah, that was it. Like that's it. But like, if you're looking at pace for why this goes over, it, it's not going to be because of pace. Like it's no, not Philly's at all. Going it's, to they got to be shooting fifty percent for this to get over. Like they they can't run. With, with Embiid in the lineup, Boston should try to run, but I'm not sure if they're going to. I'm going to lean to the under. We've seen a lot of the regular season meetings become rock fights, and I think this could be another one of those. Once again, I'm not picking Boston to blow them out. I just think they're going to cover. But I think there's no guarantee each team reaches 100 points here. You can make an argument Scott Foster officiating is going to help the over because he's going to call a lot of ticky-tack fouls. But once again, Harden in his career – has not actually done well with Scott Foster as the ref in the playoffs. So I don't know if it's a personal bias thing. I don't know what Embiid's record is with Scott Foster, but it does seem like Foster calls a lot of fouls, but not the flopping variety. So maybe there's a personal vendetta thing going on with Foster and like Harden and Embiid. I'm going to link to the under, though. The pace is hideous. And once again, I'm skeptical of Philly's offense with a compromised Embiid being the main focal point. I'm going to link to the under in this game. I am uh leaning to the under as well. 
kind of no, no, no. I kind of like team. I like Philly's team total over. Okay. Especially if he gets those. I don't. I mean, what's I, that? Though? Is that like one oh six? Um, one oh five and a half. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Let me see here. I'm trying to pull up this Scott Foster stuff. Oh, where's Philly? Oh, there we go. All right, let me see here. Can I get a time frame? How long has uh, John B been in the league? Uh, I mean, if you want to just play it safe, you want to just do like four or five years. Because even when Embiid was in the league, he was still, you know, improving on his skill set. Uh, he's, yeah. he's been a quality player for the last four or five years. So just use that, yeah. I guess, as the sample uh, Okay. I, I really haven't cool. experimented enough with the systems. I have access to it. Yeah. I haven't experimented enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and it's like you got to find – I don't have it figured out how to how to filter it to player. Oh, wait, I think I just figured out how to – no, that's just coach. See, look, like I haven't figured out how to filter it to a player yet. I got to figure that out. But, all right, um, let's see here. In the postseason, Philly is five and three over the past few years with Scott Foster as the ref. Uh, twenty one point six percent ROI in the postseason. Regular season is where it sucks. <laughs> it's nine thirteen and one during that span, but five and three for Philly with Scott Foster. So, take that information with as you will. All right, let's talk about props. I got to take a bunch of Boston three-point guys. Once again, Philly's having a hard time guarding any three-point shooters, and they attempted 50-plus of them in game two. I don't think Boston's going to change much offensively because they're getting every open look they could possibly want. The only upgrade is – the only thing they need to change is Tatum not being bad. They need Tatum to score more than seven points. Mm. But first glance, I think the first three-point prop I was tempted by was Grant Williams. He had four in game two. He was great. In game two, defensively, offensively, he really became their X factor in that game. And I think he will remain that way in the rest of the series. I like Grant Williams, three pointers. He was wide open on all of his looks and he attempted eight of them. The -hmm. issue for game one was that they got a bunch of good looks, but Horford could not hit a shot to save his damn life. He just couldn't hit a three. And it seems like with them going smaller, you have seen Grant Williams thrive more in that open corner three role. I like him over. I like Jalen Brown over. Tatum, I'm hoping, as a bounce back, but I think I'd rather take rebounds. He had seven rebounds, and then he didn't play the fourth quarter in game two. So I'd mm-hmm. go for the over on his rebounds, too. Brog, I think I'd probably also take Derek White threes, who kind of woke up a little bit. Maybe Brogdon, but... Once again, it's difficult for Boston because they have so many different guys who could contribute. You just have to guess which guy is going to do it. But I do like Grant Williams a lot. I think after game two, Missoula should stick with him. He played 29 minutes in game two. I think he'll probably play around there. So I like Grant Williams over in threes. Uh, I am on Jason Tatum because his three three and a half is at plus money. No, his threes because okay. his his over three and a half is at plus money, and typically he responds from a bad game, especially a game that he felt like he couldn't even play because he was in foul trouble and uh, ultimately seven points and a blowout. So he normally responds well. So I'll trust Jason Tatum today. Uh, I'm on James Harden over two and a half threes again, minus one twenty. I mean, he averaged. I'm pretty. Sure, did he not average thirty against Boston this season? 
Like he he had good games against Boston all season yeah. long. So it was like the first game wasn't surprising, but it also wasn't surprising that he came back and folded. Well, as it was well. surprising at forty five, and it was surprising they won the game. Yeah, so but... he so he averaged twenty five and a half uh, on forty two point four percent from three. Uh, I I like him being able. You know, the pace slows down. And B goes to work in times and B doesn't go to work or he's off the floor and it's just Harden and the next unit on the floor. I expect to see, you know, his isolation step back three. And it just didn't fall last game, but I think it'll fall this game. So I'm back on Harden again. Mine over two and a half threes. Uh, and man, look, 29 of 32 career meetings. He has at least one block. I got his over two and a half blocks at plus money. Now it's sitting there at minus 145. It feels like this is the tricky spot, though. This feels like this is the spot you're not supposed to bet that prop because it's not going to cash this spot, and everybody's betting it. And then the next game, it cashes. So we're going to leave Joel Embiid alone, blocks alone today, and we're going to wait for that to miss today, get it back at plus money, and then get back on it for game four. By the way, I'm looking at the three-point numbers uh, for props. I don't see... Anything on Grant Williams, which is unfortunate. However, I do see Derek White is over one and a half at minus 130. He went three for six last game. I see Brogdon's at one and a half. It's minus 155, but he went six for 10 in game two. Like, I still like the over on that. I think Brogdon may be on alternative three line. At like three plus makes sense. There's no reason why Boston's not going to use him. And Brogdon played 24 minutes for 23 points in game two. And to go through the stats in game one, Brogdon, once again, played well. So I think he should be getting a decent amount of run with this team. Once again, he's made a bunch of threes. And Brogdon, in game one, uh, scored 20 points. He only went two for six from three, but he still went over, played 34 minutes. Yeah, I'm a fan of the Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon threes in this game. One and a half feels very short for, once again, a team that attempted 50-plus three-pointers in game two. I like Melton to get back on the slide. He's at minus 105 for one and a half. I think he has yeah. another another nice game. I'll probably be betting Melton points over seven and a half or something like that. And they did send occasional doubles at Embiid. So you might be able to get some open looks for Melton in the corner if they're able to actually cycle the ball well. This is the James Harden assist game, too. Just the no, game it's a weird he just, game. He had a double-double with rebounds. I'm sure nobody had. Yeah, he's he's good. This is the assist game. This right here is the assist game. All right. Anything else you got? Not really. Uh, I was thinking about maybe taking Embiid blocks, but you made your case on why you don't think he's going to. I'll lean to the over anyway. He's getting the MVP trophy. I think he'll have a block or two in the game. But yeah, for the most part, I think that's basically it. I was tempted by a Horford under because I – he really just hasn't looked great at, at, at offense in the series or in the playoffs. He's been good at rebounding, good defensive player. He really can't shoot that well in this series. I know his points prop is a little bit low at seven and a half. I think it's kind of warranted. He really has had a hard time of actually knocking down threes. Like I feel like until he shows me he can consistently knock down that jumper, I'm not going to take an over on him. So I'm kind of leaning to Horford under because, once again, his three-point shot looks a little bit off right now. All right, so let's just go ahead and book Al Horford over. <laughs> Before Take the if you want to go with the over, yeah, it, it just it sounds like Al Horford is about to be on a on a man on a mission. Just saying, as of right wrong. now, he has really looked a bit. Yeah, no, I I hundred percent I hundred percent agree, but 
I I can't I'm go jinx, against I'm jinxing the trend. centers left and right. Can't, I get it. Yeah, no, I can't go against yeah. the trend. All right. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here. And Underdog is giving away $15 million in prizes. Plus, you can do player prop parlays in the NBA, NHL, MLB, all of that going on. Head over to underdogfantasy.com. Use promo code SGPN and get a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Promo code SGPN. And it's Derby Week, and Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, is here for all your Triple Crown bets. Leave a review for the show whenever you get, wherever you get your podcast. Between now and Belmont Saturday on June 10th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind Fallen Bob painting. So, all you have to do, and we have another contest. We have a bonus contest in a app exclusively in the SGPN app. And the winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card, so make sure you tap into the Kentucky Derby and leave a review for the Notorious OTB. All right, let's move on. Next game of slate, we have the Denver Nuggets traveling to Phoenix, the Valley, to play the Phoenix Suns. Denver leads the series 2-0. Suns are a four-point favorite right now. 225 is the total. Only thing in the injury report you should know is that Chris Paul is out with that groin injury. So a thin Phoenix team already gets thinner. What are you doing here for game three? Well, I know that you were playing some patriotic music last time I made my take on the series because you called me Benedict, but I still got to lean to Denver. Are you Benedicting? Are you Benedicting? Well, not anymore because I already did. So I'm staying with Denver, but I understand the argument, you know, team down 2 nothing, They're going to be motivated. First half angle down 2 nothing has been extremely profitable for a long time. But I still think the Suns are kind of screwed in this series. Like, the roster is so top-heavy, it's really embarrassing when you think about it. Because even Aiton being their third-best player, you know you're going to get inconsistent effort. It's the way it is. So you, a lot of people don't like Aiden. Rumors the Suns might trade him in the offseason because they're just fed up with his lack of motor. But Durant was not good in game two. I'm assuming he'll play better. Booker was solid. I think he'll play well. But once again, the argument is if Phoenix is going to win, let's just say a game in the series, they're going to win a couple of games. How many points does Booker and Durant need to combine for for them to realistically win a game because nobody has any faith in their supporting cast. And now Chris Paul is injured, so you have to give more minutes to Cameron Payne. I'm not a campaign guy. Like I'll admit, I don't think he's that great of a basketball player. Mm-hmm. But how points do you think Durant and Booker need to combine to actually win, assuming Murray is not brutal and assuming Murray scores like 20, 25 points? Like, do Durant and Booker need to combine for 70 points? Uh, 65? I don't think so, but I think he, I think that Monty has to really get creative with the lineup here. And Do you trust him I, to do so? That's the thing. I, I don't know because we're a prisoner of habit, and we're a prisoner of habit, and it's just like, all right, my point guard is out. I have another point guard. Let me pull that point guard off the bench. And it's like, no, wait, hold on. Because Devin Booker's been really, really good facilitating your offense for you. Like, he's been able to – he's stepped more into a point guard kind of role with Chris Paul on the team. Like, he's been really, really good at that. And we've seen 
in times before Kevin Durant got here where Chris Paul was out and Devin Booker was able to lead that team as the point guard. And I mean, he gave us a, a triple double, like a 30, 40 point triple double last year in the play. Was it last year in the playoffs, year before in the playoffs, something like that. When Chris Paul was out, he gave us a, a, like a triple double. So I think that all of that's on the cards today. And Maybe you do bring a Landry Shaman in off the bench where we know we haven't been getting that production from from the bench unit, but it's a lot easier to get your shot when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are on this floor at the same this time. This is also you- the problem. As a Nets fan, you're talking about the value of Landry Shaman. I mean, I'm I just saying. Landry Shaman should be on the court if you're a realistic contender, but I get your point. He's a good three-point shooter. He's going to be important for the series. But you're looking at, once again, the options they have. Landry he also has given them 20. He's also given them 25, 26, something like that earlier this year. That was a, way earlier this year, but yes, for the most part, it's Christmas been a non factor with Christmas the team. Day. But once again, you're looking at who Philly, ha- who not Philly, sorry, who Phoenix has a supporting cast. You're mentioning the importance of Landry Shamit and Tory Craig and Joshua Kogi and like Wayne Wright because they're not using Warren and they're not using Ross. So you're hoping you see more Ross moving forward. They're supporting. I just don't know why you brought him in. I have no idea why you brought him in. Same here. I don't know why you traded for him. There's no reason. I mean, you knew you weren't trading for him for defense, so I don't want to hear the defense excuse. Like with Warren or Ross, like you, you weren't bringing them in for defense. So I have no idea. You can make a counterpoint. Denver's supporting cast isn't great either, but we saw Caldwell Pope step up. We know Bruce Brown can step up. They have a much better bench. And yes, I know. Once again, you're talking about Bruce. And the thing is, much better bench. But they're not. It's Jeff Green, Bruce yeah. Brown, Christian Braun. That is the only three players Once that again, they have come a great off the bench. bench. Unit either, but compared to but Phoenix, they look unbelievable. And then Braun plays like less than ten minutes a game. Yeah, like they don't, even, they don't Pope have Pope anything. Great. But it's the fact that their nothing is still better than Phoenix's nothing. Correct. Which is very, very frustrating because it's, it's like close. you get any production, any production from the bench for Phoenix, and this is a different series. This is probably one-one. Yeah, Any I don't think it's production close. Like Denver clearly has the better bench, and I don't think their bench is that great. But once again, is it possible? A C that, is better than an F, and it's still yeah. not that good. <laughs> is it possible that Shamit and Akogi and Craig hit some threes? Maybe. But now you got to rely on campaign to play 30 minutes as well because you don't have any other point guards. Phoenix is in a lot of trouble. Usually, I don't write teams off after going down 2 nothing, losing both home games because a lot of people say – or losing both road games because people say a series starts when a team wins a road game. In this case, though, Phoenix really needs Booker and Durant to just go full supernova to win games. A lot has to go right for Phoenix to win games. Now, the counterpoint is Denver's not a great road team, so maybe they'll struggle here. Do you think Aiden can guard Jokic? No. Do I think Murray's going to shoot like two for 15 again? No. So I'm going to lean to Denver because I really – I think Phoenix might get swept. Like, I really think that the series is playing out where Phoenix, once again, needs everything to go right to, to win games here. I think Murray bounces back. I think he goes for 30. I'm hoping Phoenix plays better because I really don't want to see a sweep because I wanted the series to be extremely competitive, and I thought it would be fun. If Phoenix has a lot of problems, and once again, we're assuming Monty Williams will make adjustments – when historically speaking, he really doesn't make many adjustments. That's kind of a problem. Yeah, I just think that they're like again, this is a C minus bench for the Nuggets. 
Yeah. But it just so happens that they're playing against an F. Phoenix is an F. I, like, I think, I, I think it's format. a lot. I think it is a lot. There's a lot more realm of possibility of Phoenix supporting cast playing better and Denver supporting cast not playing it as good and this going Phoenix's way. I will I will wait to be proven wrong on the road, but I'm not switching my pick. I'm still rolling with the Phoenix Suns here. I think that especially now that you know you know that you're not going to have Chris Paul, you're already game planning for how you're going to get these other games to go. Like how are you going to get this other production from other players? Like that's already in the game plan. Yeah. You're working, you're drawing up sets, you're drawing up offense. It's kind of hard to do that mid game when a guy goes down because you kind of weren't expecting that. And while you probably should, and you probably should have those contingencies in place, that's not always the case. With time to prepare, I think that is a little bit different. So I like Phoenix to be able to get it done here. I'm on Phoenix minus four. Just to state the series, I'm not picking Phoenix to get swept. I think they'll win a game. I'm just saying I think there is a decent possibility they get swept because of how bad the roster is constructed. That's kind of my point. Well, I don't think they get swept because I think they win tonight. Uh, Totals at 225. Tick down from 225 and a half. What do you like here? I think I'm going to lean to the over in this game. Chris Paul being out, aren't they going to play faster? Like, Booker should have the ball in his hands more. Payne can run. Chris Paul really can't run that well. So, I don't know if he has much of an impact on slowing the pace down because Durant is more of a half-court operator, too. But I'm going to go with the over. Both teams could not hit a shot last game. Game one flew over. I see an offensive game from both uh, teams here. I think the superstars show up here. But I'm going to go with the over. I don't think Durant's going to shoot that badly from the floor. I don't think that Murray's going to shoot that badly from the floor. I'm going to go with the over. I think Phoenix plays faster. I'm trying to think of what adjustments Phoenix can make because Denver's half-court defense has actually been really good in this series. I think Phoenix might try to push the pace with Booker being the main ball handler. I'm going to lean to the over. I think you'll see more points in this game. I think this is a flat spot for Denver. I'm going to under, under 225. I think Denver pulls this total down. I think this is a flat spot. They under they understand they're up two games. So none, you only need one of these games. If the Suns get out early, get out you know, Kevin Durant's on fire. Devin Booker's on fire. You get that contribution from those other guys able to hit their shots when the ball comes to them. Then I think Denver just packs it in and just says, all right, let's get ready for game four. And let's try to carry that momentum up 3-1 back home and close it out. So I will go under here for the 225. Props, what do you like? Well, would you prefer the full game under or would you prefer the Nuggets team total under if you had to choose between the two of them? If I had to choose between the two, I would. Well, what's that number for the Nuggets? That's good. It's like one ten and a half, give or take. I would take full game. Okay. Tough question. Good question. Thank you. Full game. Try. All right. I'm still not getting away from Kevin Durant in this series. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can because, once again, I don't think Denver can guard him. I just think he had a really bad shooting Really, day. really bad shooting day. Like, like I can't get away game, from Kevin Game Durant one, he, he could have dropped 40 in game one if the Suns kept it close. He just didn't play much late in that game. I, I think Durant has to step up here. I mean, it's his first playoff game in Phoenix. You're assuming he'll put together a good showing. 
Booker, I like the Booker assists here. Seven and a half. I, I don't mind double-double. Like Booker's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. No offense to campaign. The Suns, I think, know, like, all right, I know you're technically the new point guard. If you think we're going to give you the keys to the offense over Booker and Durant, you're out of your mind. I think Monty Williams is aware that they need the ball constantly in their superstars' hands. Mm-hmm. I like Booker double-double. I think he's in line for potentially 10 assists or more. We've seen him step up in the past with Chris Paul being out. He's great at facilitating when Chris Paul is injured. So I, I like the Booker assist here. Give me Kevin Durant triple-double at 11-1. I just came off the top rope with that. And, you know, it's, the, one, it's like, the same logic as Booker. You say what? Is 11-1 to one even good odds for a triple-double on Durant? Like, I don't know if that's good or not. I feel eleven like, to one is that good? I feel like that should be closer to like fifteen to one or twenty to one. Mm, not thing really, because you know, because you're just hoping for the assist. He's like, also going to play a guaranteed assist. forty-five minutes because they're, yeah, they're like he, territory. Like he's so. and he's a seven foot. Like he's going to get. Yeah. We know he's getting you know eight, nine, ten rebounds, but yeah, I think it's really just the assist. So I mean, well, this is what Jake's saying. Jake's saying that Durant triple double game one was fifty to one. Now it's down to like eleven to one. I get it. It's a must-win game. He might play 46 minutes. 11-1? to 1? I don't know. I feel like it should be a bit higher than that. I just think but, that, you know, at some point, after Kevin Durant gives them about, mm, what, 25, 27, 29 in the first half, something like that, that they, they force the him to half. become more of a passer. Yeah. Okay. So you're I mean, he gave, like 25, he gave him 25 game in game half. one. Okay. He gave him 25 in the first half game I'd one. I'd rather take like, the point. I like Durant 35-plus, 40-plus. That's how I'm going to lean to Durant. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just saying, I think that he's going to be a passer. Like, he's, we've seen him have, was it this series or was it last series? He had a 10-assist game for, like, in these playoffs. I think that is I think it had to have been against the, the Clippers because they scored, like, 120 points in every game. I yeah, I, I don't think it's outside the world of possibility. I'm looking it up. I don't think it's outside the world of possibility that like Kevin Durant has a really, really good day passing the ball. Like especially, especially at home where those other guys that we keep talking about, the Torian Craigs, the Josh, really honestly, Josh Kogi can go fuck himself because there's no way you pass up pass up an open floater in the lane to go pass so Kevin funny. Durant to Kevin Durant for a contested three that just made his shooting position percentage look way worse. And then you passed it to him and it was like two seconds left on the shot clock. Like, oh my gosh. I just uh I I really honestly Kogi can go fuck himself for that. All right. Uh what was it? Oh yeah, it was um it was yeah, it was game 1. Game 1 of round 1 where he had the 11 assists. I knew I remembered that somewhere. But yeah, I think everybody else shows up. Everybody else hits shots. There's a lot more assists to go around. I I see Booker 10 plus assists is plus 240. If you want Durant 10 plus assists and you want to ignore all the other stuff, it's plus 750. I think those are like I think that Booker one is really really good. I like the Booker <laughs> Plus one. Plus forty. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Is that I'm not sure how many assists are going to go around. I'm hoping Durant drops thirty five or forty, and Booker is able to stack up a bunch of assists because of it. So I'm leaning more to Durant points and Booker assists. I think they're correlated because once again, I think Booker's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. So it's kind of a same game correlated parlay. I'm looking at Durant points it. mixed in with Booker assists. 
I got Durant triple double at seventeen to one and Booker triple double at thirty one to one. Okay, seventeen to one sounds a lot better than eleven to one. Like I thought you could have done better than eleven to one. Yeah, seventeen to one is for the triple double, and, and yeah, Booker hmm, Booker's interesting. I don't th- yeah. I don't know if the rebounds is going to get there, but that uh, his double double price is plus one ninety. I would much rather just play that ten plus assists at plus two forty. Because that's I am how he's considering Jokic triple double. I'm curious what adjustments Phoenix can make defensively if they make any. Because game two was really, really ugly, but they just couldn't score either. Murray was really bad in game two. You're assuming he's going to step. You're assuming he's going to play a lot better in game three. Maybe not bubble Murray, but you'll, you're assuming he's going to play better. Do you think Phoenix starts sending more doubles? Do you think they make really any adjustments defensively, or you just think we did what we needed to do in game two, we mm-hmm. just couldn't score? We're going to do the same thing. We're going to hope it works. Yeah, I think I think they just do what they did in game two. Like, that was a really, really good, like... They, they triple kept doubles them. plus 280. I don't think Jokic has had a triple double odds higher that than high. one in probably two months. It's plus 280. It's- that's why I'm asking. Like, that's yeah, really no. high for Jokic over the last couple of months. No, I agree. I 100% agree with you. Let me uh, let me just get into the construction lab really quick and try to put this together. All righty here. So play again. You have a favorite GameCube game growing up? Ah, uh, Smash Bros. Okay, melee. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna when say go most to, people uh, don't like brawl. When you go to the uh, man, what's that map called? Where it's the I think it's the Legend of Zelda map, and you got that Hyrule? little area at the bottom. Huh? Hyrule. I think that is it. Yeah, Hyrule at the we, bottom where you. Yeah, and that's where that's where you go to solve solve all the debut, debuts, uh-huh. like all disputes, yeah. everything. If we ever had smoke, we went down there to handle it. All right, so we got Jokic triple double. Let's throw in Devin Booker double double. Oh wait, wait. Let me see. Reggie knows. Hyrule Temple. Reggie knows. Yeah. Hey, Shasa, I love when I can just throw references out here and people get it. Yeah, man. That that's where all smoke is handled. All right. So we got Devin Booker over nine and a half assists. That's plus two fifteen with that triple double for Jokic. And uh let's go get KD points in there as well. And let's uh how far up should we take Kevin Durant? Should we just do should we do 35 at plus 240 or should we keep it light? Cause we got some juice. I'm already at plus 550, So, you know, if I'm taking Booker assists, I think I have to go heavy on Durant points. I don't have faith in anybody else. Okay. So we'll put Durant in there for 35. So that's how we I'm have... looking at it. You can go for 30. If you think of Kogi and Craig and other guys hit shots, but I'm still skeptical. So, so we have Jokic triple double. Yes. We have 280, Kevin. though. Like, I have to bring that up. Like, you're not going to see odds for Jokic like that. You haven't seen odds like that in three months. Devin Booker over nine and a half assists and Kevin Durant 35 plus points. That's 15 to one. Okay. There are a lot of worse 15 to one parlays you can take. Not to mention, if you're going to take Durant 35, you can probably throw in a couple threes in there, three plus mm. threes or something if you uh, want to. You want me to do that? 20 to one. Yeah. All right. Well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Because if he's scoring 35, he's going to hit at least three, three plus threes. Twenty-two to one. Just saying, throw fifty bucks on that to win eleven hundo. I don't mind that. I, I yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. That this feels too easy. 
Yeah, something might go wrong, but then again, it's a 22 to 1 parlay. So something is supposed to go wrong. <laughs> so Don't say we didn't give you a parlay, folks. I like the value there. I'll probably bet that in some All right. form. All right. Anything else for the people before we get up out of here? Not really. Uh, once again, even though I am leaning to the Nuggets plus the points in this game, I am hoping Phoenix wins because I really don't want to see a 3 nothing series when we thought this would be one of the most entertaining series going in. I want a competitive matchup. It's just Phoenix's bench and lack of supporting cast has been so alarming that I have to at least acknowledge that I think Denver's pretty live to win this game tonight. Yep. All right. He's at Russia Radio. I'm at really real underscore underscore. Make sure you follow the podcast at SGPN NBA. Uh, make sure you well, we didn't do the lock like and dog picks yet. So oh yeah, I, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. But I wasn't sure if that was intentional or not. But we didn't. No, do it wasn't. I forgot. Pick. I'm not gonna okay. lie. I forgot. But yeah, make sure you like and subscribe. All the other stuff. Blah blah. blah. Got all that out the way. All right. Lock and dog. Um. Let me see. For my lock, let's go with. Gee, Willers. Kevin Durant over 29 and a half points. <laughs> because it took like the most inefficient day that he's had in like what a long time for him he to barely miss this prop. Threes, and he only made two of them. Two for <laughs> twelve from three. Yeah, like come on. No, Kevin Durant over 29 and a half points. That's my lock for my dog. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, but that's a so, but that's a puppy dog. That's puppy picks. We don't want puppy picks around here. So, I will take Philadelphia. I will take a player performance double. Well, I'm gonna ask you, what's the cutoff for puppy dog to mature dog? Like plus one forty, plus one fifty, one fifty. Okay. Well, okay, yeah, we go one forty. One forty sounds that sounds good too. Yeah, plus one forty. Once you're once you're under plus one forty, it's like. Ah, I'm about to use the puppy the puppy sound bite for you after that. Okay, so Joel Embiid. Wait, where's freaking? Do they not have Joel Embiid? Oh, here we go. Dang, that's sure. Give me Joel Embiid thirty plus points, Philly to win the game plus three seventy. Okay, uh, for my lock, I have a couple of choices for a player prop, but I'm just gonna go with my instincts. I'm gonna take Boston. Uh, minus the two and a half. I, I got him at one and a half last night. If you're afraid of the spread, take the money line. But I got, I'm going to go with my instincts, which have done well for me so far into the playoffs. I just think Boston's the much better team. I think when they're engaged, they can beat anybody. And the problem with them is that they're not engaged enough. But I think the fact that they lost home court advantage, Tatum's going to be sitting there because he thinks he's an MVP candidate. He really wasn't, but he thinks he is. And they're going to be having the whole trophy ceremony. I can see Tatum being motivated and having a good game here. But give me Boston minus the points. I just think they're the better team. I think they'll win the game. And for my dog, um, do I? I'm trying to think if I want to go Denver money line or if I want to go with Booker assist. You know what? Neither. I'm going to go with Jokic triple double at plus two eighty. I it's the odds for me. I, I'm I do think Denver might pivot off of guarding Murray so tightly because of the fact that maybe they are going to let their guard down because of how bad he was in game two. But it's mostly just Jokic being able to dominate however he wants. 
he scored he's basically averaging like 35 points in the series like he's doing whatever he wants i think monty might send some help every now and then but you're gonna give me plus 280 for a guy that walks into triple doubles all the time i'm gonna go with the Elgis triple double at plus 280 for the odds and he quotes a rap lyric it's a parade inside my city yeah and and it all right Appreciate everybody for tuning in. That was your lock and dog. And we will be back tomorrow. Well, I will not, but what was that sound by, by the way? That was that was Drip Bayless? Yeah, that was Drip Bayless. He's undefeated, you know, when he's in the MJ shoes. Yeah, all right. Or something. <laughs> uh what what's that game at? 330? I don't know. You they might be doing it tonight. They might be doing it tomorrow. We I'm assuming tonight, know. but we'll see. Yeah. Otherwise. I have nothing else to say. Nothing else to do. No other way of ending the podcast. We're just going to end it like this. We are out of here. Ba-da-ba-da.